Welcome everyone to All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast 254, recording this on the 13th of June 2018. I am Steve Litchfield, and uh, probably the last time for a couple of weeks, I know, Rafe, you're taking some very well-earned time off. We have Rafe Blanford. Yes, hello, everybody. Wanted to get one of these uh, podcasts in, and there'll be another one in due course. But yes, definitely skipping next week. Uh, Steve may get a guest in, or we may just have a little bit of pause, because uh, it's probably a bit of a slowdown in news in both actually the uh, Windows 10 mobile world, the sort of Windows world more generally, and of course kind of mobile. We're we're starting to go into a slightly quiet summer season. Things tend to pick up again late part of August, early September, having had Google I.O. and WWDC relatively recently. It then feels like we kind of get away from some of the the bigger phone launches. No no doubt I'll be proved wrong and something dramatic will happen (laughs) sometime in the next month or two. Yeah, we do, of course, have, and I always have my old standby, which is new application releases. And uh, just, to, just to focus this week on three particular new Windows 10 UWP apps, i.e. for phone, desktop, Xbox, HoloLens, etc. But I'm concentrating on the phone. And they're all rather good, Rafe. I know you've got the links there in front of you. But uh, Uga, if, I, if that's pronounced right, O-U-G-A, which is a Tumblr client and rather excellent um, anyone remember Tumblr, microblogging from about five years ago? Uh, Proget Universal, which is an Instagram image grabber, which again is sounds like a simple function, but it's really well done. And finally, Duplex Media Player, which is basically a, a commercial version of VLC, really. And it, I mean, it's not the same code, but it does the same sort of function, playing music, media, and with a million different options and EQ and video effects. So so I don't know which one you want to comment on, Ray. You don't have to con- comment on all three, but I think they're three excellent apps and worthy of inclusion on the site. Absolutely, they are. And it sort of goes to show that there's still very good apps coming out, UWP in this case, you know, obviously working on Windows 10 Mobile. And, and in these all three cases, I think quite a bit of effort has been made to make them look good on mobile. This isn't just yeah, the kind of yeah. UWP app that's happened accidentally, if you like. Um, the Uber one is interesting for me because... I would always assume Tumblr is something you don't really need an app for. I mean, they've got an official app on other platforms. Um, but to be honest, it's kind of, I want to say it's all web-based, but yeah. at the very least, you can treat it a bit like a feed reader. But, you know, much like some of the apps, I like Reddit and arguably Twitter are, are similar when you get things into an app, it just works a bit more seamlessly. And particularly if you're a big Tumblr user, this is the sort of thing where, you know, all the ones that you want to follow it kind of serves you up with a kind of a nice feed of content. And I think, you know, um, I think Steve, you sort of was talking about it being big five years ago. I actually think it's still big. I mean, it's gone through kind of the acquisition now part of Oath, uh, along with quite a lot of other properties. Um, but actually, I think there's still some very strong communities on there. And, you know, a lot of people still using it as quite a creative medium. And some of the stuff you see on there is, is very impressive. So if you use it at all, this is going to be uh, a great app for you to get into. Just just making things easy in terms of, you know, both the consumption and a bit of creation as well. So, yeah, definitely a thumbs up for me on that one. And I just, because Tumblr is actually, uh, I would argue, one of the stronger kind of creative um, uh, blogging platforms, actually it makes the most of the media that you see on it. So, yeah, really good from that point of view. I do have a bit of a bone to pick with you on the uh, Proget Instagram because um, okay. <laughs> I noticed that you've been ah. ripping off my photos. And 
I think the whole point about Instagram is, you know, you can have a curated collection that you don't have people kind of ripping off left, right and center. Of course, it's actually pretty easy to get the images off the web version. And yeah. I absolutely take your point that, you know, this is a slightly specialist application, but it does make it easy to to get hold of things. And of course, Instagram is replete with you know, some really gorgeous images, although I wouldn't recommend following my account for that particular thing. You probably get camps and a bit of uh, cats, I should say, and a bit of uh, campfires and wildlife and that sort of thing, which uh, Steve has ably illustrated in the story. But yes, <laughs> uh, kind of nice little uh, utility. And I'm actually going to manage to co- comment on all three of this. Duplex Media, which I was a bit surprised. I mean, uh, A, I was surprised that Steve had never heard about it and it has been around a while. And I was even, more, you know, I hadn't heard about it either. So it's one of these sort of very pleasant surprises that sometimes comes along. I guess it just kind of uh, passed by notice. But, you know, given that being able to sideload content onto your smartphone is one of the things that kind of was a big thing, uh, I want to say going back into the early days of the smartphone, mainly because you didn't have necessarily fast connections with, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, 4G and Wi-Fi. But even now, a lot of people still have a big collection of uh, kind of local media, whether that's obtained um completely legally or not is maybe open to debate but also with so much content available on youtube and um, again somewhat dubious legality and downloading that kind of thing or even if you've just got your own collection of videos you know being able to play back content easily and not having to worry about the codecs or the formats or anything like that and even just the playing interface you know it's done really well it has support for all those extra things you know be it closed captions or you know making sure you can make the most of aspect ratios, all that kind of thing. Um, so it's a, actually quite an impressive piece of software, Steve. I mean, I guess you put this one uh, through its pace quite a bit because I know you do have quite a big uh, library of, of content. Most of mine now is sitting in the cloud. I've kind of given up on having local content, mainly because you use things like uh, Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever. But presumably, this is a sort of application you would get a lot of value out of. Absolutely. I mean, I swear by, I, I use Netflix, I use YouTube, I use Amazon Prime Video. And, and if I've got bandwidth available, I go to those as my my number one choice. But th- there are times when you're traveling, when you're on a train or a plane or just out in the country where you've got no coverage. And, or maybe in my case, I've run out of uh, my bandwidth, my two gigabytes bandwidth for the month, or I'm trying to be um, efficient. So in that case, it's great to have a micro SD in my case, 128 gigabyte, just stuffed full of my favorite sort of uh, um music documentaries music files uh film clips all that sort of stuff, all the stuff i really enjoy watching over and over again i just have them there so i can just uh, entertain myself in a quiet hour here and there and duplex um, media player works really really well um vlc works well as well but it, it vlc is just kind of a tiny bit laggy vlc is one of those apps you described earlier Rafe, which is designed for the desktop windows 10 desktop and it works on mobile but it's not optimized for mobile and it really shows and that you get spinning dots for two minutes on end the music might be playing on vlc but you're still seeing animations that should have gone away long ago uh, yeah. so vlc is never entirely satisfactory groove music of course for the built in on the, the phone and films and tv they do the basics they play music files and they play video files but there are absolutely no frills whereas these extra players they put a, a 
myriad different functions on including remembering where you got to so if you've got an hour-long doc music documentary rather than have to st remember where you got to in your own brain it just carries on playing from the last point you got to which is just really handy but there are dozens of other effects i've highlighted in the different screenshots here so do go and read the reviews and i've put the links up in the show notes and that instagram uh, this pro get universal rave i was in two minds about including your photograph i thought will i get into trouble with this will rave no, hate this or will he love the fact that i'm encouraging people to follow him on instagram i just didn't know which way you go yeah it, it, it's a difficult one to judge i think i'll forgive you because you know obviously i'm desperate for more followers you know wanting to become an influencer or, or whatever the latest uh, trend is with regard to instagram i mean it, it's an interesting one because i think some people are quite protective of the images but you know i'm just saying use the tool uh, responsibly and it's a nice healthy utility it's definitely something i've, I've seen people want to do and talk about um and uh yeah just be respectful of people's uh, copyright i guess i mean it's hard to argue if you're just using it for something a bit like a wallpaper i think it becomes a bit more problematic when you're recycling it into your own content to be shared on sure, social sure. media or otherwise but uh yeah, yeah it's, it's a good one and i mean just the general thing i want to say it's great to see more of these uwp apps coming coming along i mean we're, i think we're going to talk about kind of windows 10 robot death by a thousand cuts but these three applications just goes to prove you know there is more stuff appearing or out there including some you know really strong really impressive applications and that's kind of encouraging to see yeah absolutely I mean, every single week i sort through find discover or get told about something like a dozen or so decent new apps or games uh, and usually half of those don't work out in that I find they're too buggy to be recommended by me and they get put down the list somewhere. So I've got a, a long list on the uh, the all about uh, Windows Phone to-do list. Uh, it's something like 200 items now, Rave. And a lot of those are applications and games which simply haven't made the cut yet. And whether the developer's active, if they are, then they'll improve them and I'll go back and try them again and then I'll feature them. But I am quite choosy about what I feature on the site. So if I feature something in the flow column, it's normally because it is worth trying, worth grabbing, or worth buying but uh, yeah good to see um, let's move on Windows 10 Mobile itself has, has also been moved on Microsoft is active the, the monthly patch updates patch Tuesday updates still happening even for anniversary update devices although the documentation on those is rather rather lacking from Microsoft but certainly anybody on the creators update or full creators update uh, either feature 2 branch uh, brand new updates complete with changelog even including and I quote performance improvements now quite whether that that is across the board or whether that's actually referring to mobile I don't know but uh, certainly my idle 4 pro and my Lumia 950 are working very very well on this new build and yes again Rafe I guess all you can say is uh, well done to Microsoft in this small way for at least keeping the OS patched updated and secure uh, indeed and I think it goes to prove what we said before that Microsoft obviously they put a kind of good release management and kind of uh, system or platform management in place that allows it to do this. I suspect with relatively low level of resources, I think everything's probably automated through the build pipelines, but still good to see this happening. Probably worth saying that actually the anniversary update in terms of kind of Microsoft's promised support period, we're getting somewhat closer towards the end of that because I guess that's going to happen uh q3 2018 really isn't it so yeah, yeah we're probably seeing the last few updates for that particular branch at least in theory although i do wonder whether they might continue to be provided on a kind of um you know informal basis or, or not guaranteed basis given i suspect it's all part of the same build pipeline for yeah. you know uh, creators update which should go through to the first half of next year and then 
kind of uh, full creators update which um at least according to the timelines we have go through right through to the kind of second half of 2019 but yes you're right i mean these are mainly now focused focused around uh uh, security updates it's noticeable that a lot of them come in the what i'd call the core windows things like edge or the scripting engine um things in the kind of device guide all the windows storage and file system but of course that that's a good thing to see i have to say i think i'd be very surprised to see any of these exploited on windows 10 mobile but it is that kind of uh peace of mind um and uh, there are some mobile only things i think the most recent ones had something around um, enterprise files being saved as personal files. At least I'm reading here off the, the change log, so I'm not quite sure what that involved. But clearly, even some mobile-specific issues are continuing to be addressed, which given the number of devices we're talking about support for versus you know the you know hundreds of millions of um, desktop devices, that's really quite impressive. Yeah, you have to wonder what would happen. Let's say a, a vulnerability was found in the Windows 10 kernel, and some that there were bad guys out in the wild exploiting that vulnerability. If someone then tried accessing that website or that resource that was compromised using a Windows 10 mobile smartphone, what actually would happen? My gut feel, as you say, is that nothing really will happen because the payload would be aimed at an Intel or AMD-based chipset PC Indeed. and not, not an ARM smartphone, especially not Windows 10 Mobile. But having said that, I guess what would happen is that the phone would, the browser might crash or at worst the f- phone might freeze up and you'd reboot it and all would be well. But uh, it's still good to have the updates. I like my phone to run smoothly. And, and if this means <laughs> that the browser just shrugs off any any attacks and any any bad resources on the internet, then I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, and it's, just, it's just, just peace of mind. I mean... Windows 10 Mobile runs in much more of a sandbox and kind of some of the, the desktop environments. But nonetheless, you never know what might happen. And of course, we have seen it, you know, in recent times, you know, right down at the silicon level with some of the, um, I guess you call them bugs um, or kind of security issues around some of the Intel processors. And you know, they were making big news, of course. Those sort of things can be addressed through updates like this as well. So, yeah, all in all, good to see these updates. Um, but as we kind of anticipated, we're not really seeing feature updates anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Although, of course, we are seeing big um, UWP app updates, Indeed, including yeah. to the core Microsoft app. Absolutely. So this morning we had updates for Word, Excel and PowerPoint uh, UWPs. Uh, and there was a Groove Music update two or three days ago. We've still got a huge um, Windows 10 Maps um, UWP um, app update with the 2018 map data and that is according to in uh, my internal sources coming in early july so i'll certainly report on that in great depth i'm a huge mapping fan as people will know and i should be exploring all my canary roads and junctions and making sure that microsoft's got them all but it's kind of a shame that their infrastructure changes for and for maps have taken this long and it's kind of embarrassing for them i'm sure they're well aware of it because all the developers using you know, the, you know the microsoft maps engine having to make do in some countries with very old data and having to apologize to their customers for why their app doesn't have the road so the sooner mm-hmm. this is sorted the better and i'll say i will report on that in due course um, andromeda stroke surface mobile stroke whatever you want to call it this month has been mentioned again, and this this time it's Paul Thorot, who I think we both know. He's a bit of a, a curmudgeon of my generation <laughs> <laughs> over in America, but he does have some good contacts, and he's, he says he's able to view a few pieces of internal documentation outlining some of the future plans of the Surface brand, and he specifically calls out a couple of um, Surface desktop and tablet uh, products, but also he calls out Andromeda and said it's, it's scheduled to be released in 2018, i.e. it is a real product, it has a real name, we didn't reveal it, um, and it is going to appear this year, Rafe. So, I mean, I know originally t- a year and 18 months ago, I predicted this would 
appear and be announced in spring 2018. Now, obviously, that's come and gone, but it does look like it's only going to be a six-month slippage, and we are going to have this fabled folding phablet, all-in-one PC, phone, you name it, device this year. Yes, a bit of a jump to kind of uh, folding phablet, although that's what the kind of some of the rumours indicate, whether it's foldable or, yeah. or not in terms of the screen and everything else remains to be seen. But reading the tea leaves on this latest uh, potion pool is interesting because it does imply there's a, a Surface Pro with the, I think the code name was Carmel, but also the, the much talked about low cost tablet as well. Because the fact that that is a tablet and that's presumably going to be something around 10 inches does suggest that the uh, Andromeda device is probably something as you identified in that phablet market or perhaps a kind of small tablet and the iPad mini is an interesting one to think about. Yeah, yeah folding, um, yeah. You know, the, six, the six, seven inch tablet or, you know, and, and with the kind of the surface, one of the marks of that has been interesting folding things, keyboards, attachments and hinges. laptop <laughs> devices, the hinges, all of that sort of thing. But what also caught my eye was the expectation that OEM partners would also be releasing hardware. So it might not just be about a Microsoft device before too long. You know, some of uh, Microsoft's traditional partners, I would have thought, something like uh, Asus, maybe Dell, um, you know, Steve's current uh, device as well from Alcatel. All of those are, are possibilities. And, you know, it's absolutely true that Microsoft quite successfully created a bit of a brand um, with its Surface uh, devices and actually has become pretty valuable to Microsoft. But I think more interestingly in some ways, actually really did create that kind of transformer market. It's uh, hard to remember that in some ways because there are so many of them out there and there's actually an expectation that a lot of laptop devices have hinges on them that allow them to change into tablets or you know we've seen that come the other way with tablets well you know that the popularity of that transformer segment and a lot of the sort of touch screens as well on on laptops really come out of microsoft's work around that on surface with kind of both windows 8 and subsequently windows 10 yeah and you know while there's no guarantee that happens for this new product category of Andromeda devices, there's, you know, there is a chance that something interesting can, can happen there. I mean, I think a lot will depend on price points and it feels like there needs to be a bit more of a standard. I mean, I'm not sure I can sort of really see this product category emerging between phones and, and tablets and laptops, but I may be missing something and, you know, it would be really interesting to see what the unique thing they add. I mean, I think one of the hallmarks of Surface has always been they've done something to it. So the original Surface was kind of tablet um, and laptop combined together. You know, you've had things like the Surface Studio and the Dial and obviously the Surface Hub as well with a kind of smart TV screen and even to an extent the uh, Surface Laptop as well with its kind of uh, hinge and the ability to, again, kind of undock, if you like, or turn into a tablet. So Really interesting to see what happens. I see you've started speculating about pricing and saying $1,000 or £1,000. I really hope we see something that, that's not in that ballpark, but who knows? I mean, I think the more complex the hardware gets, the, the more the cost goes up. And actually, there is kind of almost an acceptance now from the smartphone market with the likes of, you know, the Samsung S9, the Note devices, you know, the iPhone 10, and actually you know, quite a lot of other manufacturers. You know, people are not blinking at a thousand pounds which partly to me goes gulp but <laughs> since i'm one of the people that's actually bought a device like that I, I, I sort of understand it so yeah really interesting to see where this is coming um it's a shame that steve's optimism of a release this spring hasn't been met but it looks like we might see something before the end of the year 
there is this of course, a cloud hanging over this. Of course, there have been changes at Microsoft. There's definitely a shift more towards kind of enterprise and cloud emphasis and maybe hardware becoming less important. But, you know, Surface is not a brand that's going away. It is a very big part of Microsoft. It is one of their billion-dollar businesses. So despite the fact that Terry Myerson is kind of Dr. Hout, who would presumably be responsible for putting the strategy and the roadmap together at a high level for a lot of this, it seems to me unlikely that uh, leadership would change this whole scale. I think there is every chance that a device like this, they could say, no, actually, we don't think this is going to work. Um, and therefore, it could get cancelled. We've seen that happen before with devices from Microsoft, including, you know, uh, Windows 10 mobile devices. There were a line of those that never made it to market. There's a kind of courier device, which I think has inspired a lot of the concepts we've seen around Andromeda, which was kind of a, a folding journal type device. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, we wait with bated breath. And of course, we'll keep you up to date with any speculation or rumours or indeed the official news once it arrives. Yeah, I've just had mocked up the Surface Mobile here on the desk in front of me, Rafe. I've got two two six-inch smartphones, uh, both 16 by 9, and I've put them side by side, and I reckon, according to my ruler, that the di screen diagonal of the tablet that they'd make up when unfolded would be in the region of about 8 inches. I mean, you mentioned the iPad Mini. I think that that's a bit too small. But then, then again, a 10-inch iPad or 10-inch tablet I think is too large. That would, When folded, that would be too large to carry around in a, quote, pocket. And, and Paul Thorop specifically said pocketable here. So I think something... It, in the same form factor as a modern, say, an, a Galaxy S9 Plus or a, perhaps a Lumia 950 XL and slightly larger than that, an HP Elite X3. Let's take two of those side by side and then, then measure the screen diagonal and you're somewhere in the region of eight inches, which doesn't sound dramatically larger than, you know, modern six-inch smartphones. But remember, screen diagonals do not necessarily uh, linearly equate to screen area. If you've got a squarish tablet, then that, that diagonal means an awful lot more content than a diagonal on a, on a very long and thin form factor. So uh, does that sound about right? Two HP Elite X3s side-by-side screen-wise, minimal bezel between the two, so they form a, a contiguous tablet surface of around eight inches. I think that could be quite useful. Yeah, yeah, no, it's really interesting to speculate about this. And um, I think one of the things we have learned over the years that despite the kind of seeming stagnation of smartphone hardware around that kind of glass slab form factor, the market can change when something gets introduced. And you only need to look at the iPad, arguably some of the early uh, Symbian devices, you know, the communicated iPhone. You know, it's entirely possible to establish new product categories with some hardware. And I hesitate to use the word innovation. It can be a new approach to an old challenge. So uh, I'm really intrigued to see what comes out of the, you know, because I think actually Microsoft have now earned the right for people to go, well, Surface has really kind of done interesting things and has introduced uh, new ways of doing hardware that other people have followed and picked up on. So, yeah, um, watch this space with interest. OK, well, two more things to mention before we finish. One is that Twitter's Official Windows Phone 8.1 client has stopped working. We kind of knew this was happening. Twitter has been scaling down its support for older clients and older platforms. Um, but uh, although the Twitter new PWA app doesn't work on the old Windows Phone 8.1 uh, phones and uh, Internet Explorer, there are plenty of third-party uh, Twitter clients for Windows Phone 8.1 that still work absolutely fine, including our favourite Tweety and Rafe. It doesn't support the 280-character tweets on Windows Phone 8.1, but it's still a very good twitter experience so i kind of i've written that up but i think people shouldn't panic if they've if they've decided to stay on 8.1 there are still plenty of ways to get their twitter fix 
Yeah, that's right. We've mentioned the PWA way of solving this problem in kind of a previous podcast. That works perfectly well. Yes, I think for heavy users, you are going to want a third-party application. Tweetium seems to be the recommendation. But this is kind of something that's not unexpected. Um, I guess, really, this is the thing we've talked about a lot with Windows 10 Mobile. Actually, it's not the lack of updates, security or otherwise from Microsoft that become a problem. It's when some of the key applications or services that kind of back up onto the phone stop working. Twitter is definitely one of the higher profile third party ones. Uh, thankfully, there's good mitigation in place. But actually, I think the other thing that you were going to talk about on this podcast, Steve, was you kind of done an article <laughs> that rounds up actually a lot of these things that I'm talking about, a combination of apps, but really it's the service on the back end that really matters. Um, and, and you do describe this as a depressing subject, which it is a bit. Um, but actually, I think this has become more acute now, and I'm willing to say that this is now starting to have a very serious impact on the way that you might choose to use uh, a Windows 10 mobile device. And a lot of this is actually down to what you use and what's important to you, because uh, what, what Steve's done here is basically gone through a lot of the big applications, particularly kind of the Microsoft ones, which have um, a service component to them. So we're talking about OneDrive, Photos, Maps, uh, Music, uh, kind of news and weather you know it's all of these things and you go through them and list the ones where kind of what's the situation there and so you know maps you kind of alluded to earlier not having the the new content yeah actually we're expecting that to change so that should be good news from there but things like store where you know it seems to break more often than it used to we had a conversation about teams relatively recently with that kind of stopping working october 2018 None of the really core ones have gone down, perhaps arguably with the exception of uh, Skype and then some of the bits that uh, go into Groove Music because there's uh, been yeah. the, the shutdown of their first party music subscription, arguably maybe not as serious because I'm not sure how many people are using that seriously. With all the kind of negative part of that, there are some things that continue to work really well. You know, Office 365, Edge, you know, Cortana, some of the core content applications, things like news and weather, um, and then you know things like Outlook, the uh, and that's for both mail but also contacts and calendar. That works really well. But the one that kind of worries me um, is I've been using OneDrive a bit more recently, and it's just not been quite as reliable. Some things seem to yeah. break, and I'm not sure whether that's I can blame Windows 10 Mobile for that or some changes on the back end. Uh, but I mean, would you agree this is actually the thing that will make it's hard to use a Windows 10 mobile device, not the lack of updates from Microsoft from the platform point of view, but one of these applications that becomes actually central to the way you, you use it. And I think the candidates to look out for here are perhaps the kind of the big office or enterprise applications, though I also expect those to be the ones that keep working for the longest period of time. Yeah, yeah. OneDrive, I think, is, is actually very important because so many of these applications tie into OneDrive for saving files and retrieving stuff. And as I noted in the photos um, stories recently on the site, including in, in this feature, uh, the OneDrive is basically broken for many people. And if you go back and look at the photos you've taken, Rafe, on previous Lumas, in the Photos app, EWP app on Windows 10 Mobile, if you go back more than a few weeks, you'll find that the thumbnails just don't yeah. load. They are literally broken. And it is clearly a OneDrive server change. Um, things broke about two or three weeks ago. And Microsoft is still 
floundering around trying to work out what they did to the server that broke it. But you've noticed yourself that OneDrive is not as reliable as it used to be. And so clearly there there have been changes under the scenes that have meant that all is not well in Windows world. So, I mean, that is one good example. Just one other thing at the bottom of the table. And we did cover this last week a bit with Steve Heinrich, but uh, I want to mention it again. In the context of expecting maybe an all singing, all dancing Surface Mobile at the end of the year, because that wouldn't necessarily, you wouldn't expect that to do things like mobile payments. Now, most of us got very, very used to using our smartphones, perhaps iOS or Android in in the latter 12 months or so, and experimenting with using uh, Apple Pay or Android Pay. It's a very obvious thing to do and try and it works very well there's using the fingerprint scanner on on which is not on most windows 10 mobile devices apart from the idle 4 pro um but using that to get into applications into like banking applications shopping applications and authenticating yourself quickly and easily and this is that the kind of thing is not really built in properly to applications on windows 10 mobile but bear with me because if you do go down the route of saying okay well I've got an iOS or Android phone. It's small, it's dandy, like an iPhone SE or iPhone 6 or 7 or even the 10, really. Um, I've got an Android phone. I might have a, a, a OnePlus 6, I might have a Galaxy S9. They work absolutely brilliantly for uh, Internet of Things, for mobile payments, for authentication, for applications with, with, with biometrics. All of this just works. And you can get the Microsoft apps and services on those platforms. But you use that in conjunction with this all singing, all dancing, folding phablet stroke tablet thing, which becomes your take anywhere PC, your take anywhere tablet. Uh, And yes, you can take phone calls if you really want to, but you'd have your your phone much smaller, much, much smaller, doing all the biometric stuff and the fancy app specific stuff. And anything that's more serious, more productivity based, more enterprise centric then you'd bring out your surface mobile am i clutching at straws here well as i as i said when we were talking about surface mobile earlier i'm not sure i quite get the vision or see how that product category emerges because i think it's been tried a couple of times before and i sort of argue you know wouldn't you get an ultra light laptop you know it's hard to but yeah i mean I i think you can make a reasoned argument around that and until i actually see what it is it's a bit difficult for me to go yes that will absolutely work or <laughs> or no, no it won't won't but it's interesting you mentioned kind of uh, mobile payments and iot there it is a reminder that actually in many ways uh kind of windows mobile has been stagnant for a couple of years and yet i uh, can one of the themes about smartphones in particular is they used to be kind of devices that brought everything into them, and that convergence is still happening. But I think some of the most exciting things are happening in the things that orbit around the smartphones. And what I mean by that is, yes, controlling IoT, yes, doing payments, um, but they're not necessarily about apps or absolute features that you use the phone for. I mean, obviously, in the case of payment, it is enabled by NFC and secure system and things like that. But those are the things that, in some ways, I probably miss most. And what makes it convenient to have uh, an iPhone and an Apple Watch, you know, being able to do those things and have it happen automatically. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to think about, I I said before that it was actually the kind of services starting to break. There is definitely an element of things that never made it into Windows 10 Mobile. And as I say, it is those things that kind of orbit around mobile. And actually, when I, you know, get passionate and start talking about mobile, you know, spent 10 years talking, well, actually longer than that. Let's not think about that too much. About how amazing it was being, it's going to change the world. I still think there's a lot more to come, but actually, it's less directly about the phone. And it does make me wonder about Andromeda is there something here that can kind of reset some of the expectations on, you know, PC usage? Because for all the fanfare around smartphones, and yes, it is absolutely possible to do 
Word and Excel, um, but it does become a bit fiddly. The screens aren't quite big enough. The input mechanism may not suit everybody. And there is something interesting about, you know, particularly anyone who's used one of the larger screen phones or gone up to the iPad mini size or something, if you can kind of get that bigger screen with it still being a pocketable device, I really think that where we get to the foldable, the rollable screens, that is going to make people rethink what the right size of device is. And particularly when I think about things around some of the way Bluetooth headsets have gone, and I'm thinking, you know, um, you know, Google's come out with uh, these things. Uh, Apple's done it with the AirPods and third parties like Braggy have actually made it possible to issue commands while wearing the phones and have that assistant be always on or around. You know, obviously Alexa and the smart speakers are absolutely part of that as well. So I, I don't actually think necessarily the kind of status quo that we have now where everybody has a phone and then quite often they have a laptop as well. I think that can change as we get into a world where there's more assistants that are always on and listening in on your conversation you know, so could the smartphone shrink back down again? And absolutely right, you know, carry something like a, a foldable phablet type device with you, and then you have a, a, a laptop as well, or some combination of those things. So, I, as I've said before, I think the most surprising thing would be if the smartphone world and all mobile devices don't change. I think actually the expectation is they do change. There's new products emerge, new use cases emerge, new behaviors emerge. And quite often that disruption gives an opportunity new things come in and i think given that we're talking about you know 10th anniversary of the iphone and what i you know when i talk about it I describe it as the second generation of smartphones because i absolutely regard symbian as the the first 10 years and kind of you know, if, if you think about it it's it's sort of uh 2018 it's 2008 to 2018 and then the kind of the 10 years before that was when we saw the emergence of those kind of first smartphones in some ways and so I, I almost think we're overdue for a bit of disruption and a reset of how things will happen so i'm i don't think it'll be quite so whole scale because i think you know smartphones aren't going anywhere ios android will still be big there but uh, it, it it's intriguing to think about it um perhaps in a future podcast yeah. we can have a little bit of homework to think about what we think would make sense and then we'll be able to see how that compares against what microsoft or indeed anyone else uh comes up with because it's it's very interesting to see both apple at google io and apple at wdc are talking about kind of new behaviors or new modes of interaction you know augmented realities obviously come out there's still this big thing around that you know microsoft with hololens is talking about that magic leap at the moment it's mainly through kind of the phones but that's starting to have uh, a level of social interactivity that you know, hasn't been there before um, you know, there's the whole thing still around VR, there's voice there. You know, so there's a lot of stuff emerging. There. A lot of it's built on on the top of AI and the idea of automation and delegation, which is kind of the antithesis of the smartphone, which was kind of giving you kind of control to do everything from your pocket. I wonder actually if the most interesting things are now the things that are happening without you being kind of aware of them or consciously choosing to do them. So thinking about that and the way that there was a, a reaction from both Google I and WWDC about the amount that people were using their phones, you know, the screen time and then effectively turning off applications or turning them grayscale. All of that was kind of interesting for me because that just suggests to me that there's a little bit of a, a movement or a trend, call it what you will, around that, which is sort of slightly um, the all of these things are against kind of smartphone use. And so I wonder whether we've 
seen or already got to the point of peak smartphone usage and things will start to drop off partly because people are encouraged not to use them so much by the the devices themselves but also because some of the features and functions that they now carry out are passed off to other devices and whether that's kind of through delegation and automation to assistance or whether other devices emerge above them and i think that would be an andromeda device and below them which would be kind of a smart assistant that lives in a bluetooth headset or in a speaker or in your car will be intriguing to see so uh, i'm sure we'll want to talk about this more in the future because i do think it's a, a topic that merits further discussion absolutely and when you see people taking a phone call on their apple watch for example when you see people with some kind of vr goggles and they're they're, they're in a virtual world but carrying on real-time communications in video form with people on the other side of the planet using avatars. I mean, this sort of stuff, we really are living in the future, Rafe, and you're absolutely right that uh, every single year we think that's it, smartphones are done, they're baked, we know what a smartphone is, we know how uh, that the personal computing experience is supposed to work, and every year something new comes up that that's, that interests and excites and makes everybody re- rethink the, the rules of the game. And, you know, maybe the Surface Mobile or whatever, maybe this uh, folding tablet category, this all-in-one device, may do the same thing. And I've got in my hands, Rafe, something which you very kindly uh, lent us, um, phone to chat, the Gemini PDA. I just wanted to mention that, uh, of course, this, of course, also tries to be an all-in-one converged device. It's the size of a spectacle case, as was the old Scion back in the day. Um, and it unfolds to give a full travel, uh, full QWERTY keyboard, a large six-inch screen, touchscreen. Uh, it runs Android, unfortunately, but I've loaded it up with lots of Microsoft services, just to please you, Rafe. For when I do screen, screenshots <laughs> on it, but again, it's the one device. It's it's got a SIM card a slot, and you can use it as a phone, a a full web browser with a full keyboard. You can run all sorts of applications, services. And, you know, it's it's kind of a mini laptop that's also a phone. So yet again, we've got yet another little mini form factor. Now this is perhaps a tiny bit bit too miniaturized, but again, it's just another way people can do everything in their lives from from a, a form factor we thought had gone away, and it's coming back. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah and i think that's a good example of things being rethought i'm not suggesting everyone's going to end up with a gemini pj or that <laughs> form factor but it does at least give you uh, an insight into the fact that things can can be done in a different way and the monoculture of smartphones is actually one of the things that i think has been one of the, the bad things about the last well probably the last 10 years really because one of the pleasures i always had of the early smartphones is when we had the different design form factors whether that was the siemens sx1 that had kind of a keypad up each side of the device, the rotary keypad on the 3650, kind of the P-series devices from Sony Ericsson that kind of had the flip-down keypads and then stylus attached to the side of the devices, you know, through to things like the 7110, which was Nokia's kind of early version of a, a tablet stroke phone device. And some of those things can be still seen today, but ultimately it's very unusual to see a device that isn't, you know, a glass slab. I mean... Alcatel have tried to do things with some of the BlackBerry devices with with keypads, but you know, and Gemini is another example of those. But they are niche devices. But I just wonder, you know, foldable devices, you know, flexible screens. That's probably the big thing that's going to shape up the form factor century. And I don't think necessarily Microsoft's Andromeda will be about that, but it might be a way to sort of see what happens. You know, because we've had the edge to edge screens, we've had curved screens. There's just enough to suggest there could be a little bit more around the corner. 
Yeah, absolutely. And just to to finish off on this Gemini thing, just it is very much a version one product, and I'm sure you realise that having played with it yourself. I do want to cover it on AWP, even though it's an Android handset. I think it will be of interest, and so I'm going to put up some kind of review. Um, we're obviously running Microsoft services to a degree, so that there's some kind of crossover. But it's a really, really interesting device. I have had your keyboard fixed, by the way, Rafe. You'll be glad to know. And right, yeah, I, I met up with Planet Computers, who make the Gemini, and we replaced the key mat, so the keys are now much firmer. So you'll be pleased when you finally get it back in fact i've actually got two gemini's here because they've also lent me in the the immediatech x27 version with the faster processors so i'm kind of spoiled really but um <laughs> but i'm really quite impressed i'm not impressed by it as a holistically as the perfect smartphone for me or you right now i'm just super impressed that it a it exists at all and that b it might point the way to a gemini 2 which fixes everything that's wrong with this and will then be going head to head with things like surface mobile and whatever samsung mm. and lg and the others have got up up their sleeve so the the, the computing smartphone marketplace in 12 months time could be exceptionally interesting absolutely Um, i think that's probably a good place to draw an end to this podcast so in a reversal from what we normally do i'm going to sign off first and say thank you everybody uh, for listening thank you to steve for doing his usual awesome job on the content and kind of comparing and sort of lining me up to do this podcast so it's goodbye from me and i will be back with you very shortly indeed Yes, and I, we wish you, Rafe, happy ho- uh, holidays, happy <laughs> travels, and I really hope you get to de-stress and th- forget all about smartphones, work, computing, and London just for a, a week or two and then come back refreshed. That would be great. <laughs> In the meantime, I'll say goodbye as well. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Bye.